0: Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in Acts chapter 20. Acts 20 is uh, has a lot of emotions in it, the highs and the lows. So there's probably the more humorous scene in the entire book, so that's the high. Uh, but also it ends with uh, our characters in tears. So very low uh, point emotionally. So a lot going on in this chapter, and it's an important chapter for a lot of reasons. I wanna highlight uh, the first six verses uh, because, again, we're, we're reminded of the importance of eyewitness testimony. And Luke is, once again, with the, the, uh, uh, Paul's company. Uh, verse 1, after the uproar sees remember that uh, what happened yesterday in Acts chapter 19. you got the mob riot in Ephesus, where they're saying, Hashtag, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Um, and uh, remember, Paul's wanting to go in there and, and engage them. There's no rationality with, with such mobs, so they they wisely keep him back. But after all that, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed from Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. Now, now we see Luke is involved, and Luke tells us a lot of details. And I want to highlight this because, just a reminder that, though these details aren't necessary, they show us how historically reliable the the Bible really is? It's based off of eyewitness testimony, and often those eyewitnesses are named for us. Verse four: Sopater the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanying him. And of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus. I think Aristarchus is mentioned later in Paul's writings. Gaius of Derby, I think he's mentioned. Timothy, you know. And the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. I think both of them are mentioned. Tychicus carries the Colossian letter uh, as well as the Philemon letter with Onesimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. And in five days, we came to them at Troas where we stayed for seven days. Don't need any of that details, do you? But it does tell us that Luke is there and we're getting detailed eyewitness accounts. So it it is very reliable. Well, from there, we get the story of Eutychus. And this is a story that Uh, every preacher loves to uh, share and laugh about and and every church likes to joke in relating to their pastor. Notice verse 7 On the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread. Another we statement but you'll notice here it's the first day of the week of breaking bread. Breaking bread obviously a reference to the Lord's Supper Lord's Supper is tied to worship the worshiping on Sunday not Saturday. And that's important because the first Christians were Jews and their day of worship and rest was Saturday not Sunday but, but when Christ is risen from the dead, the first believers understood Sunday was a day to recognize that our identity is found in Christ risen from the dead. And so since the first Christians, we have been worshiping on Sunday. Now, I am uh, one of those Christians that obviously worship on Sunday. There are still traditions that worship on Saturday. You've probably heard of uh, Seventh Day Adventists. Um, before them came, were Seventh-day Baptists, actually. They, they, they weren't around very long. The uh, Adventists kind of pushed them out uh, with, with their Sabbatarian worship. But they worship on Saturdays. The Jews worship on Saturdays. Um, but because of the resurrection, we believe Sunday is the day we should worship. And nevertheless, uh, Paul talked with them. Intending to depart on the next day, he prolonged his speech until midnight. Now, we, we, we learn later that Paul talks a long time... Um, not just because he's a long-winded preacher, but because this is, everyone knew this was the last time they were ever going to see him. Now think about it. you got a loved one. How long would you sit and just listen to them talk and hope the moment never ceases? If this is the last time. How long of a conversation would you sit next to that dear loved one right now if it was going to be your last? You'd hang on every word in every minute. So yeah, Paul does go long here. But look, I've been in ministry situations where you've got one more message to give. And you've got to ask yourself, what would I say? And, and regardless of what you come to, it's going to be longer than anything else you did. Why? Because you're wanting to plead with everyone. Get this. And you're going to pound that point. That's what Paul is doing here. And he's going past midnight. And remember, this is, this is a work week. It's the first day of the week, it's a work day and he is going, and they are hanging on everywhere. Well, almost everyone. Uh, verse 9, uh, A young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep, as Paul talks still longer. Being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. It's a humorous story. Uh, I think ultimately what we were to see here is um, Paul raising Eutychus is connected to the Jesus stories. And we've talked about that. We did it, I believe, in chapter 19 as, as well. Um, but, the guy is bored with... Uh, bored is a strong word. He falls asleep in the middle of the sermon. So there's all the jokes. I'm sure you can imagine them. But notice verse 13. Going ahead... He raises Eutychus. I, I, I ruined the story, but you can read it for yourself. But I want to skip down to verse 13. But going ahead to the ship, we... There it is again. Set sail to Asos, intending to take Paul aboard there. For he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. When he met us at Asus we took him on board and went to... Uh, Mytilene, and sailing from there we came the following day opposite Chios. And the next day we touched at Samus, and the day we went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia. He was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. We don't need any of this information, do we? It was given to us because it's eyewitness testimony. Luke is there. And so we were able to trace all the places that, that Paul went because Luke was there with him. And we're really going to see it uh, with the shipwreck that comes later. Just a lot of details describing the ship, the storm, what was said, how people responded, their emotions, the characters, all of that. And a lot of it isn't necessary. But Luke, when he's there, details go up. When he's not there, he's more careful with the details. I think there's some, some real wisdom there. Verse 22. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem. Constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Let me, let me give you the setting. Paul is in Ephesus with the Ephesian elders. And this is, is his last uh, message to them. And, and Luke gives it to us. And he starts there saying, I'm going to Jerusalem. The Spirit is leading me there. But I realize I'm probably going to die. Yet I must go. What incredible courage that is. It is incredible courage. Verse 23, Except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Incredible courage. Verse 24, But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course in the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That's the key, isn't it? It isn't that his life is is of value, but the gospel is of greater value. He wants to complete the race that God has set before him. That is faith. That is courage. May we learn the same thing as Americans, especially when we consider how seduced we are by the American dream. It's incredible what Paul says here. Verse uh, um, 25, And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. You see how how the emotion is, is really getting stirred up here? Um, before, um, y- you know, it, it was assumed. Now he's making it very clear. It's the last time we will see each other. Verse 28, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, elders, bishops, the words used interchangeably here, to care for the church of God, which he attained with his own blood. This is his exhortation towards the pastors. Take care of the flock. God has trusted you with them, and with it, um, and he purchased it with his blood. It's not your church. It's Jesus' church. The pulpit is not a place for, for punditry, politics, or soapboxing. It is Christ's church. Let people see Christ, not you. I want to skip down. I really encourage you to read. It's 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 a longer section. Remember, Luke has several long sermons. This is one of them. Skip down to verse 36. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Yeah. So, so yeah, you you have the the laughter, right, with Eutychus. We laugh about that. But here you you see how much they loved Paul. It's amazing, isn't it? Paul is hated by the world. Because he loved the people of God, that is enough for him. How many of us think the opposite? We overlook how much we're loved by the people of God because what we really want is to be loved by the world. Dear Christian, those days are over with. If you're loved by your local congregation, isn't that more than enough? What other validation do you need in this world? Hope to see you guys here Monday. See you then.